Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the show and a Friday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac. I'm Dan McLaughlin, our producer today, Colin Surrey. On the program this morning, I'll visit with announcer Brian Anderson. You've seen him on the NCAA tournament, the PGA Championship, NBA, Major League Baseball. This weekend, hey, live sports again. It's back on your TV. Count me in. I'll be watching. And one of the events will be the match. And Brian Anderson will be the host. So what will this be like? He'll be in an open-air booth and on-site, which is something that did not happen last weekend if you watched the golf charity match. What's it going to be like, and what has it been like working with Charles Barkley? He's going to do that this weekend. And is this the future of how we see sports on your television? This match includes Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. Brian Anderson, the host of this event, will be my guest. Tonight, the Cardinals will announce three new members to the Edward Jones St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. Two of the three are from you, the fan, the fan vote. On my Twitter feed right now, at TV. you can see a visit that I have with Cardinals President Bill DeWitt III. We talk about the history of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. I started this conversation with Bill by asking him about how he and his family are doing. Everybody going through this difficult time for all. Yeah, thanks, Dan. It's um, uh, it's fine. Our family's good and safe, which is uh, is great. Um, as you know, uh, you sort of with with quarantining, you, you end up with a lot of good family time. So we've enjoyed that, uh, despite you know all the negativity out there in the world. Um, that's been a silver lining, and hopefully, that's been true of, of our Cardinal family as well. Let's jump into the Hall of Fame. So the Cardinals Hall of Fame, presented by Edward Jones, began uh, back in 2014. Has it been what you and your dad and the family and and the front office all envisioned when you thought about putting together a Cardinals Hall of Fame? Yeah, it really has. And we're um, so excited about how the, you know, kind of the calendar unfolds with these events. Like, you know, um, in the offseason, we begin the voting and then, we, uh, we have those red ribbon uh, committee meetings right around the winter warm-up time. And then the fans start voting into the spring. And, uh, and then you have your announcement, like kind of in the time frame we're in now. And then you look forward to that induction weekend. And I know um, we've always had fun watching Cooperstown induction ceremonies and the pattern of that uh, uh, real the milestone for those players every year and the rhythm of it and the tradition of it. And I think we've really established that with our thing in, in a unique kind of way. It's, it's all St. Louis. It's all about our guys. Um, but you do see echoes of it in what Cooperstown started. Do you have a favorite speech or a favorite moment? I've got my own personal one with Willie's speech. I thought it was priceless. But how about for you? Do you have one that stands out? Well, Willie's was a great one because it he's such a humble guy and he, he just doesn't like the limelight and, and he, you know he just he had no choice he had to be in the limelight and talk about himself and his career which is probably like waterboarding for you and me uh but uh that's why we love willie he's just so modest and his genuineness came out i think another one total contrasting personality was a jim edmonds where he kind of went on and 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 but he talked a lot of, from the heart about sort of growing up and what baseball meant to him with his father and stuff. And another great one was McCarver. I mean, 
Tim, as you know, is you know broadcast partner. Um, just so knowledgeable, so well spoken, and so appreciative of the folks that got him to where he was in the game and is in the game. And um, so they've had all different types. And you know, the ones that I never really look forward to, but always surprise me in a positive way, are the family members of the veterans who go in. And because it's sort of like, you know, they lived it usually, and they um, were such an important part of the Cardinal family when their father or grandfather was was a star for the Cardinals. But then it just ends, and it's just over. And maybe they live somewhere else, and they don't connect back with Cardinals baseball. So for some of those people that connect back in this ceremony, it's very touching, um, and they really, you know, the emotion comes out. What are the phone calls like when you guys have the opportunity to visit one-on-one and make that call to a player and tell them that they're headed to the Cardinals Hall of Fame? They're the first ones to find out outside of those that know intimately inside the organization that are running this, you, your dad, others, but they find out with that phone call. What What is that like? Well, I only hear about it from my dad who tells me after he makes the call because he's been assigned that task. Um, but it's funny because, you know, you kind of envision somebody waiting by the phone like what happens at Cooperstown where they, they're either going to get a call or it's just going to be a, a sad waiting thing with no yeah. call. Well, our Hall of Famers, you know, don't really... It's not like a defined date or time that you're going to find out. I mean, we, they know generally the week or whatever, but so when he's been calling them, it's come as a surprise. Like, oh, what's Bill DeWitt calling me for? And so um, it's been, there have been some good good ones where he's gotten somebody and they just totally out of the blue go nuts. They didn't realize it was coming. That's awesome. Um, the, the moment they put on the red jacket, to me, it's so symbolic of, of just a culmination of their career in St. Louis or their life dedicated to the Cardinals. When you see that happen, what, what's going through your mind when you see every single time that that red jacket so special in that moment when it goes on that individual? It's different for each guy. Uh, for example, um, you know, when I saw uh, Edmonds put his on as an example, there was a sense that, you know, it was just a continuation of how his career ended and it made sense. A guy like um, Scott Rowland, though, more recently, you know, he put that red jacket on it. It was almost like a great homecoming for him because he does live in this area and he um, did go to some other teams after he was with us. And it was like a sort of a coming home. And I think for a lot of guys, it has that feel to it. Um, maybe they finished with the Cardinals, maybe they finished with other teams. But at the end of the day, um, there probably isn't a bigger Hall of Fame, uh, not to uh, scratch her back too much, but, uh, you know, short of Cooperstown that a player would want to be in. So, and the way we've done it and, and hyped it and, and built this great uh, museum and plaque hall with uh, the Edward Jones Gallery, I think the the level of sort of uh, class and and um, size of it and, and the hype it gets really puts these guys in a feeling that they've um, become Cardinals for life. And Bill, finally, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. We'll have the announcement of the 2020 uh, St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame presented by Edward Jones on Friday. And you can understand where people are, are so excited about that, but also curious about baseball. Do you have a message for the fan base out there right now that are that we're all wanting baseball. So do you have a message for those fans? 
Yeah, uh, I want it just as bad, if not more, as they do. Um, we're working really hard on a plan. MLB is sort of driving that ship. Um, it requires, as you know, um, first and foremost, safety protocols that everybody buys into that uh, make sense. Uh, number two, uh, working through all the logistics of pulling it off. Um, and then three, uh, working out an economic deal with the players. So MLB's working hard. They're keeping us posted. We're giving input as we can. As, as a club, Mo's been very active on the protocols, for example, uh, because he knows he, um, he's been around a long time, knows how all this works and how we might have to modify to make this work. And so um, fingers are crossed that we can get a half a season and then playoffs which would be just great for the sport, great for our fans. And who knows, maybe we'll get a miracle and actually have a fan or two in the building later in the year. Man, wouldn't that be nice to have a fan or two and just to have baseball back. Many thanks to Bill DeWitt III. That announcement is later tonight. I'll be honest, I've been polling for Keith Hernandez. We all have our personal opinions on who should be in. By the way, mine is right. Okay, it's my show. I got the microphone right now. He should be in, Colin. You're always right. No, when you're don't say the mic, that, Danny Mac. Come don't on. say that. Fight me with something. Tell me why Keith Hernandez shouldn't be in. He Keith, should be because he's an excellent defensive first baseman. That's why he should not be in there, Dan. Well, he's the best first baseman defensively that I've ever seen. Kind of redefined the position in a lot of ways. Won an MVP, uh, 82 World Series, and had an incredible run in St. Louis. What holds him back, his time with the Mets and the way that he left. And hopefully fans will vote him in. We'll see tonight. I want to say something, by the way, about the DeWitts on a personal level. While many organizations throughout sports this week began furloughing employees, they have cut employees, and there are many organizations that had done that already. The DeWitts committed to keeping their full staffs on at full pay through at least the end of June. And I'm telling you what, that is leadership. And don't think for a second they don't care. They do. They care about their employees. I've seen it on display multiple times. Thank you to the uh, DeWitts. Thank you. If you missed it, I spoke to Matt Carpenter on yesterday's show. There are people that actually have had debates with me that Yachty isn't a Hall of Famer. By the way, you're wrong about that, too. I would imagine <laughs> I've called 95% of his Major League games, probably 95% of them. Right now, if it ended right now, he's a Hall of Famer. Carpenter had the ultimate compliment about Molina. One of the best ways I can describe what Yachty is and who, you know, the teammate that he is, the kind of person he is, is, is Michael Jordan. There, it, Michael Jordan, obviously, different sport and arguably maybe the greatest athlete of all time. But I, the similarities that, that, that those two have, Yachty and Michael Jordan, are shockingly, there's a lot of them. I mean, really, really close. Um, similar similar people, the way, they, the way they motivate their teammates, their desire to win, their hunger for winning, their ability, their killer instinct. I mean, Yachty and him are very similar. He's a Hall of Famer right now if it ended today. Fight me on it. Come on. Although I, I, I'm saying it in St. Louis, so I, I think, Colin, most people probably agree. I was just going to say, I, I don't think I can fight you there. I mean, Keith Hernandez, you're right. With with the Mets and all of that ordeal, maybe there's a little bit of room for that. But 
with Yadier Molina, I mean, I can't think of a guy who is held in higher regard in this city. He's a baseball Hall of Famer right now. So from one left-handed batter to another, Andy Van Slyke was a guest with Randy and Michelle yesterday. Andy never shy about answering a question, and he was asked about all the stipulations and guidelines that could be put on players for this upcoming season. It was no showers after games, spitting, licking your hands. I believe many of this... It's unrealistic, and Andy agrees. Uh, ridiculous. <laughs> it's about the first word that comes to mind. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's like, you know, asking players not to spit is like an ask them not to make a crotch adjustment during the baseball game. It's just it's just part of what happens when a baseball player is in competition, right? I mean, there's so many of these things that are you cannot avoid. I mean, you're gonna you're you're gonna come in contact all the time when you're when you're a team environment and then to ask coaches and managers to wear you know masks in the dugout i mean some of these things are just eyewash and the reality is that that's in my opinion that's not going to make any difference at all when it, when it comes to the safety protocols that they're looking for it's just you can't there's no way that that, that can happen and you know it's just the whole this whole idea of, of thinking that um, is ridiculous. I mean, you can actually, you, you two can get on a plane today and think about this. You can get on a plane today and put 200 people on that plane sitting eight inches away from somebody. But we can't put people in, in the stands outside on a, on, a, on a warm day in June. When the, when the, when the whole idea of this, this virus doesn't spread in warm climates outside, it, nothing makes sense to me. Andy Van Slake is with us. Either totally, totally open it up or don't put restrictions on what we're trying to do because it's just not going it, it, to work. We will find out more, especially after this weekend. MLB Union has presented their ideas for safety protocols. It's a negotiation. We haven't heard about the money yet in that except what was proposed by the owners. Counterproposal hasn't come yet. That's all about negotiations. We'll find out more, I'm sure, over the weekend and certainly next week. There's movement with both the NBA and the NHL. There's momentum. The NHL Players Association's executive board started voting yesterday. Proposed 2014 conference-based playoff format. Potential restart to the season this summer. We could get those results of the vote later today, maybe tonight. Hockey writer for The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. There's really no right answer. I think every system potential format you look at there's questions uh, about it i mean if, if you have the top four teams playing each other as curbs mentioned uh that's tough to see those guys beat up on each other early on uh, if you see a montreal or a chicago catch fire and all of a sudden uh you know one of those teams in the east beats a, a pittsburgh or a tampa bay early on because they're healthy now they're fresh you know that's hard to fathom because those teams had less than a one percent chance to, to be in the playoffs at the pause so I think there's a lot of questions about uh, any system that they pick, but but I think what they're zeroing in on, uh, Randy, appears to be uh, the best solution to, to this uh, crazy situation. Yeah, there isn't any right answer. So what? If they play and one of those teams would win the Cup? Okay, great. And a guy that, or a team that had a small percentage to win the Cup before the virus, is that going to make you think any differently about them when history looks back on this season? Not me. These are unusual times. Go back to the early 80s and the strike-shortened season, and all of a sudden you had two different years inside a season. 
Dodgers win it. Do I think any differently about them? No. My perspective, let's let's embrace it. Let's have fun with it. It's like the wild, wild west. It's not ideal, but it's sports, and it would be back. What about the NBA? They're looking at Orlando as a hub for the remainder of their season. Mentioned earlier, we have golf coming up this weekend, and Phil Mickelson will compete in the match with Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. Phil is ready to roll. And this is really a unique opportunity for golf to showcase what a great sport it is at a time when other sports aren't really able to uh, play and compete because of the physical contact. Golf allows you to be safe with the social distance and yet still have the camaraderie of your friends, the uh, the activity of being outside and getting a little bit of physical uh, exertion. So it's uh, a great opportunity this summer for many people that haven't played in a while or just miss it to get back out and play. And I'm hoping that uh, golf picks up some new fans. Now to the bigger point of what Phil is talking about, there's a window to be the first of the major professional sports to be back. For example, if you're baseball, can you imagine being the first sport back the ratings, the interest, the talk. You have the attention of the country in terms of growing your sport, of exposing your sport for popularity. The time is now. It's right now. And that's why time is of the essence to get a deal done and get it back. So what's it going to be like hosting the match this weekend? Brian Anderson will be behind the mic. I'll talk it over with him coming up. I've been doing this show for about a month now. I'm amazed at the text line, the great and thoughtful responses that we get. You make me think. I appreciate that. I appreciate your participation. 65780 on the Air Comfort Service text line. Also, drop me a mic drop. We'll get to those hopefully in segment three. I went a little long. Collins lost his mind. Brian Anderson is next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. It will be this weekend, Capital One's The Match, Champions for Charity at Medalist in Florida. It'll be Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. You can see the broadcast, the telecast of this on TNT, TBS, True TV, and Headline News. And my good friend, one of the great broadcasters in the country, whether you're watching NBA, Major League Baseball, the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, NCAA Tournament is Brian Anderson, and he'll be the host of this very special event this weekend. Brian, always good to hear your voice. I hope you're safe and healthy and the family is doing well. How are things going? Hey, everything's good, Dan. Great to be with you, man. Yeah, we're uh, ready to call a live sporting event again, which... Which meant we took the swab up the nose, if you know what I mean. I do. Negative. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to be negative, and I'm excited to be uh, uh, ready to pack up and go to Florida to call this event. So it should be a lot of fun. I think golf's kind of the first sport. I always felt like it was going to be the first sport to, to get back. They're planning a PGA Tour event next month in Fort Worth, and this is the second wave of these made-for-TV events that we can do this pretty safely and uh, minimal crew it's only four players so uh can't wait we got five hour window on sunday uh to bring this event to the country is going to be a huge audience i think and hopefully we'll do it justice no matter what sport you're talking about you mentioned it you've already been tested what is the testing like for this particular event whether it's you the crew or the players themselves everybody had to be tested you know this is like a little waiver that you know you haven't had it you haven't come across it and if you had you were immediately eliminated from the crew and everybody understands that so they've set up testing centers at the club there 
uh, medalist in Hope Sound, which is just outside Jupiter. And um, they've had testing centers where the, the competitors are. So, you know, Tom Brady's camp in Florida and Phil Mickelson's camp in California and San Diego. So everybody's been tested. Everybody on our crew was tested Tuesday when they all arrived there at the golf course and they'll be tested again. So um, they're, they're taking great measures to make sure we're all safe. And, um, you know, they presented all those measures to us before we even accepted the gig. And, um, and, and I feel comfortable doing it. I, I don't have any reservations. As you know, my wife has an autoimmune disease, so we've been extra cautious here concerning this coronavirus. And so um, I, I kind of ran it all by my good friend and neighbor, who's the head of infectious disease at four hospitals. And he looked at the protocols and he, he gave it the green light, thought it was very well done and um, that I should not have any concerns. So uh, I don't, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm assuming you never thought that you'd have a neighbor that would be the head of infectious diseases <laughs> and you'd have to call on his services for your job. I mean, that's that's a good position to be to have that neighbor next to you. Oh, I know. And I'm just so honored to be his neighbor and friend. And uh, his name's Ravi Carmarker. And he's just the guy's like literally saving lives every day. And it's just an impressive thing to witness. He he leaves when the you know the sun rises. He comes back when the sun sets and. Other than bringing in his trash cans, that's about all I've been able to offer him. So I did make an appearance at his hospital. Um, we we gave away a bunch of cookies and stuff to the nurses for National Nurses Week. And, uh, man, just so thankful of the job they're doing and, uh, you know, being able to to honor him uh, in any way we can. But, yeah, when I when I had to get tested, I, I he was the first guy I called. He, he didn't administer the test, but he set it up. And um, so I'm glad – uh, that he's there. I, I've asked him a million questions, you know, and he's he's been on the front lines and he's answered them all. And it's just he's been it's been a real asset to have. I feel pretty educated on this, even though I have no uh, formal training. I, could I can imagine. talk a good talk, though. Oh yeah, well that's what our jobs are, and you'll have to do that for we the do. five hour window for the match. Brian Anderson is our guest again. Champions for charity coming up this weekend, and Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Uh, part of our jobs. Brian, as you well know, and especially in baseball, the day-to-day the -to, -day to uh, what we do is going down on the field, visiting with a player, visiting with a coach, a manager, uh, front office personnel. Going into this event, do you have any contact with those guys, or you uh, will you be able to do that to have some information to pass along to the general public? No, that's the one piece that, you know, for us doing what we do, we enjoy the most, and we kind of... You know, we, we get down there, those moments before the broadcast when you can assemble some of those last-minute nuggets that nobody has, and that's kind of what we thrive on. But that that's really not going to be an option for this event. Now, we will be able to walk the golf course, get to know the golf course, but we are kind of put in our stations. My station is the booth, which is an open-air booth near the 18th green, and I really won't have any face-to-face communication uh, with our our compound our truck our producer director all of this is happening over text message over the phone um zoom calls uh we will interview the interview the players but you know separated we'll, we'll, they're going to have an earpiece in um they're going to have they're all going to be mic'd up they'll have ifbs so there will be communication that way, but essentially that's just going to be live on the air. So the things we would normally maybe chat about or what are you comfortable with or what are you working on, 
um, we're just going to have to do that live and hopefully we don't strike a nerve with these guys because, you know, there's always, there's always subject matter that's kind of off limits. Uh, and that's part of, you know, the prep that we do, knowing what we can talk about and where we can go. Um, so that's not really an option for this event. That's probably going to be the way it is. I mean, I think when we talk about adjusting to uh, presenting sports on television moving forward, that's the biggest piece behind the scenes that I don't think fans at home when they watch these events or these games, they'll, they'll realize it's just not really their responsibility, but it's certainly something we're going to feel when we all get back to doing games. And for this event, especially, you know, there's just not that, that time on the practice tee or walking a fairway and um, learning a little bit about what's making them tick right now. We all know the media guide stuff, the, the Wikipedia stuff on these players, especially these guys, they're all legends. Uh, they're all either in the Hall of Fame or going to be in the Hall of Fame. So there's there's not going to be that opportunity to really kind of dive in and get some of those juicy nuggets that nobody else knows about. So sure. that that stinks, but you know it's it's not not a big deal really. What about in your booth? Will you have a partner? Will you be socially distanced? What about a camera person that you know it could be in the booth to shoot you guys on camera? How's that going to work? Yeah, um, there's so in the booth. The, the booth is not your typical booth. We're not building any towers at Medalist like a normal golf event. Everything that just that really didn't comply with the CDC protocols. There's just too many people to do that. So you know the cameras are handhelds um, or stationed on you know on tripods somewhere else on a hill or whatever we have available. But uh, the booth setup is not your traditional booth that's built on the 18 towers. Just kind of a it's an open air area next to the 18th green. Um, the way I haven't seen it, or I haven't, you know, I've been told about it, but I haven't seen any of the drops. But basically, we'll be separated by a glass. Um, so just imagine like a um, cubicle, kind of a cubicle sure. feel. Yeah. We'll be able to make eye contact. So Charles Barkley will be in the booth with me and the 2008 Masters champion, Trevor Immelman. Those. Us three are the booth announcers, and then we'll have Justin Thomas, who's currently fourth-ranked player in the world. He He's a member there at Medalist and famously uh, Tiger Woods President's Cup partner. So he's pretty familiar with all the players and certainly familiar with the golf course. He's going to be on the course as an on-course announcer. Oh, wow, that's great. And then, then we have Amanda Balionis. She'll be kind of in her station doing interviews and opposite side of the fairway and so yeah i think all the protocols are in place and uh we'll be on camera i'm not sure how that's going to work i don't know if we have our own like um you know our, our, our pov camera like like you guys have in st louis and we have in milwaukee where they can just cut to that camera you know individually mm -hmm. or if it's a camera that will shoot all three of us in some way or we go somewhere to shoot it on camera i have no idea how that's going to work but we'll, we'll be seen and Mostly we're going to try to be quiet because all the players are mic'd up and we want them to take the lead and, you know, they're the show. And the fact you can hear them and they can hear each other with the IFBs, the earpieces, is going to be an interesting dynamic that really hasn't been done yet on these uh, made-for-TV events. So, 
you know, we'll, we'll get in there, and we have five announcers and four participants. So, I mean, what could go wrong, Dan? It, well, exactly. <laughs> Just everything in live television for five hours. And you got Charles Barkley in there, so you know he's going to want to get trash-talking with Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Paint Manning, Tom Brady. I'm assuming, you know, you bring Barkley in, it's instant offense, and that's going to be kind of a fun aspect, if you will, of your job trying to juggle all that with live TV. <laughs> yeah, it's good, man. It's um <clears throat> I've done a lot of made-for-TV golf events. Uh, my days at the Golf Channel was part of our regular routine where we would go do these events prior to the tournament. So, you know, I'm familiar with the rhythm of it, the flow of it. Adding Barkley will be a dynamic I've never experienced. But <laughs> he's, uh, he's awesome. You know, we're on the air a lot together. We're, I've never been in studio with him or next to him because I'm at the games. He's in the studio. But we're on the air a lot together, and I've been in a lot of events with him, and He's uh, he's super talented. He's great. He's really funny. And, you know, I, I've already come up with my what I call my talks board that I'll be I'll be keeping a tally. Talk stands for things only Charles can say. <laughs> so the, we'll have a tally on that. Might even put a wager on that as well. How many how many of those we get. But, you know, Charles, he'll have access to the players. They'll be listening. You know, I think the, the players drove the bus on this. So that's the most important thing. It's sure. not. Phil, especially, uh, he's going to be partnering with Tom Brady. Manning and Tiger have played a ton of golf together. They played in pro-ams. They play socially. They're good friends. So these guys all determine format. You know, they didn't pick the announcers, but they certainly know that we're going to be there and Charles is going to be there and they're willing to wear earpieces. And I think the biggest surprise was the, the the format like the back nine is going to be a modified alternate shot so every player is going to tee off and then they're going to pick the best shot and then go from there alternating shots you know so you know for a pro to like tiger woods and phil mickelson to put be willing to put themselves in the in the swamp <laughs> you know based yes. on a bad shot from their amateur partners that just kind of shows you that everybody's on board it's been great collaboration and you know charles knows why he's there and we'll, we'll have some fun with it and try to stay out of their way but also let charles and justin thomas um let them roll weave in and out of what the players are providing as far as content too so you know me trevor emel and amanda we're kind of like you know on the back bench we're, we're like the drummer and the bass players in the uh, in the band letting the lead singers and the lead guitarists do their thing I'll wrap it up with this. What do you want to hear from Brady and Woods and Mickelson and Manning as a guy that's going to be trying to drive that bus and lead it, and it could go off the rails, we know that, um, which is fun. I mean, it's live TV, and, and these guys know they're mic'd up, so you would have to think that they're going to be PG. But, you know, what do you want to hear from these guys and try to convey to the American public how much fun this could be? You know, for me, I, I just, I hope, first of all, we took the, the money bit and that's kind of out of the way. So <clears throat> the first match, which was in Vegas, Thanksgiving of 18, was a huge cash grab. You know, it was a $10 million purse, and a winner got nine mil. And at this point, it's that that just that doesn't ring a really uh, a good bell right now. So I give the players a lot of credit that one of the first things they all did, Tiger and Phil, when, when they added Peyton. And Brady, they all decided basically the purse was there theirs for the having, but they said, let's just let's make that for charity. So now you're not 
necessarily playing for a charity, even though you are, but it's not that one charity's getting something and the other's not. So that piece is in its own compartment and there's plenty of money. I mean, we're going to end up raising 10 to $15 million, <clears throat> million dollars on this thing, which is huge. And it's going to four different charities and Feeding America is one of them, which is something I'm behind. So for me, that piece is out of the way. Now we can kind of dive into the competition and there'll be some challenges um, for sure. Some wagering, obviously, but I, I want to see these guys get those competitive juices flowing. It's not going to be a major. It's, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to walk away from it. Maybe with their pride hurt or saved a little bit. But really the most important thing is that we get them kind of dialed in trash talking to each other a little bit and, you know, prepared to compete. And I think they want to do that knowing that there's going to be millions of people watching. And, you know, I, I kind of sense Dan that it's going to come down to like, a quarterback having to make a three footer right. to win the match. You know, it's like Tiger and Phil, you know, knock it stiff. And now it's up to an eight handicapper to make a putt in front of millions of people <laughs> to I win a bunch of money. So I think it's really going to be funny and fun. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready for those moments more than anything else. Not so much the trash talking, which will be there, but it, it should be fun. I, I hope it is. It's five hours. There's going to be a lot of dead times. There's going to be times we talk over each other. That's just going to happen. But you know, it's all for good, man. And what else are you going to be doing Sunday? I mean, there's not a lot going on, so you're I, stuck with us. Well, I'll be watching you. I can't wait to watch it. You're a great friend and unbelievable talent. And uh, knock them dead this weekend. It should be a lot of fun, and thanks for doing this with me. All right, Danny Mac. Good to be with you, bud. See you later. That's Brian Anderson. And again, the uh, match will be seen on TNT, TBS, True TV, Headline News, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Capital One's the match champions for charity. Great to get him on ahead of that event. We will open up the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Rhino Shield mic drop. Anything you heard at the opening monologue or questions about how Brian is going to do this or baseball moving forward. If we get there, it's all on the table. It's a Friday and Memorial Day weekend is just about here. You're listening to 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Many thanks to Brian Anderson. Interesting stuff. And now you got a little background as you watch the match this weekend. 101 ESPN presents Play Gloria, the St. Louis Blues Run to the Cup. We do it every Thursday and Friday night. Tonight, Blues and Sharks game six. Pre-game starts at six, play-by-play -play at seven. Play Gloria, Gloria, the St. Louis Blues Run to the Cup. It's brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Rhino Shield Mike Drop. We start with the ever popular Joshua. And what's up, Governor? Colin. Happy what up? Friday, guys. You know, there really needs to be a petition to lengthen this show because this one hour is a teaser. But God hey, Dan, bless you. Uh, Derek Gould had an article on the DH, and a lot of names are floating, but borrowing from Randy and Michelle, take it or leave it. In a truncated season, Brad Miller would see most of the time in that role. I don't agree. I think you're going to see Matt Carpenter because you've got to get Tommy Edmond playing time. And until one of those two does not perform, uh, then you'll see more Brad Miller. But don't think for a second in a condensed season and if the players are trying to get more games. Now, we heard 82 games is the schedule. I've heard from others behind the scenes it's going to be more like 100, 105, 110 maybe, potentially. 
because the players want more games so that they can play uh, more games to get more money. So you're talking about double headers. You're going to see plenty, and I mean plenty, of Brad Miller. Uh, 636, love your take on the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Amen on Hernandez. Keith Hernandez, folks, needs to be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. We'll find out later tonight. You can see it on Fox Sports Midwest. He was a five-time All-Star. He won the MVP, if you forgot, 1979. He had 11, with the majority of those being in St. Louis. Now, Keith left on uh, not-so-great terms, and he was part of one of the most heated rivalries in the last 50 years of Cardinal baseball, the Pond Scum, the Mets, the Cardinals. He was the captain of, of that team, basically. Won a World Series for the Mets in 1986. So there's some some bad feelings left over, but just if you eliminate that and just look at what he did in St. Louis. And by the way, he grew up a Cardinal fan. He loves the Cardinal. He always talks about the Cardinals jersey being the best in professional sports. Put a red jacket on him. It's what you did in St. Louis. Not what you did in New York. It's what you did in St. Louis. That's the great thing about this debate. But uh, to me, Keith Hernandez has to be in. Uh, Dan, 636, absolutely loving this show. So here is my question. If Jim Edmonds was not voted into the Hall of Fame, baseball's Hall of Fame, how will Yachty be voted in? Both players are one of the best defenders ever uh, at their position. Edmonds' batting average is low compared to others, but he's not in. I've always said from day one, if, if Harold Baines is in, Jim Edmonds is a Hall of Famer. His career average was 284. He is seven home runs, I believe, shy of 400. Nearly 1,200 RBI. An eight-time gold glover that redefined the position in some ways in his era. Um, I'll give you a great example. Ken Griffey Jr., Jim Edmonds were both traded at the same time. The Cardinals got the most out of Edmonds as opposed to Ken Griffey and what he did in Cincinnati. And that wasn't Griffey's fault. Griffey got hurt a lot. His best years were in Seattle. The best years of Jim Edmonds, right here in St. Louis. Okay, so he's a Cardinals Hall of Famer. I do think as we go along, Colin, the Veterans Committee, and you start taking a harder look at some of these guys, I don't think it's over. I think Jim Edmonds will have a shot to go into baseball's Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And to hold that batting average against him at 284, which is a, a very good career average, how about a career on base percentage of 376, nearly 100 points higher than what his batting average is? The most important stat in baseball in terms of producing runs, Dan? On base percentage. 573, Danny Mack, loving the show. Love your take on Yachty. I'm not there yet in terms of him being a baseball Hall of Famer. This is why I disagree. Um, I talked about Edmonds redefining the position of his era in center field for the National League, really in all of baseball. Yachty has done that for a consistent amount of years for a decade and a half. Um, right now, he is fourth most all-time, if memory serves correct. I brought it up a lot during spring training. Fourth most all-time in games in Cardinals history. So within the first week or so, he's going to pass Ozzy. He's third. Stan and then uh, Lou Brock Ozzy. So, oh, I'm sorry, Ozzy and then Yadier Molina. So he's three games away from tying Tony Pena, I believe, sixth all-time in games caught regular season. And if memory serves correct, he's like 79 or 80 shy of Jason Kendall to crack the top five all time. He's also won platinum gloves, which is the best defender in the game. Not just the gold gloves, but the platinum gloves. And if he gets to 2,000 hits, to me, that's kind of the benchmark for a catcher. You get to 2,000 hits, you're going to get in. Kind of 3,000 hits for everybody else. If you're at 2,000 hits, 
in my mind, you're in. Uh, 314, Danny Mac, love your show, but Tommy Hurd needs to go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Agree wholeheartedly. My biggest case has been made for Keith Hernandez for the aforementioned reasons. Tommy Hurd, when you think of those great 80s teams, it's Ozzie, it's Willie, it's Pendleton, it's Hernandez. Uh, the infield that Tommy was a part of in 1982 does not get enough credit. Obergfell, Ozzie, Tommy Hurd, Keith Hernandez. They were awesome. Awesome. And that was one of the best defensive infields in the history of the game, and they did it on turf. I would agree. Tommy Hur needs to go in, kind of the unsung hero of those guys, the link of those 80s teams in 82, 85, 87. So I'm with you. I think Tommy Hur needs to be in. I think Keith Hernandez needs to get in. Um, I think Matt Morris needs to have a harder look. I know a lot of people maybe don't pay attention to him because we haven't heard a lot about him, but really was dominant over a five-year period. Well, we'll find out tonight. It'll be the Hall of Fame show. We'll cross it over with Ribs and BK coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 1051 in St. Louis, Ribs and BK will have you from 11 through 2. And this is the crossover. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Let's start with who you guys have coming up. You always have great guests. What do you got? Well, go, oh, go ahead. I didn't know. My my partner over there, he's always scrambling. He works so hard coming in here, he grabbing all this stuff. Uh, right off the top, we are going to have Big Rig himself, Pat Maroon, awesome. hometown hero. I mean, that guy's got endless nicknames. We thought we'd bring him in after having John Hamm. On yesterday, and John Hamm said, well, I, he goes, you can't really find somebody to play the part of Pat Maroon if you were building a movie. You just got to give that part to Pat Maroon. So, really? Yeah, so we're going to chit-chat about that, find out how he's doing, how much he likes Florida, where he's at right now, make sure his family's doing okay, all those things. You think about two of the greatest moments in St. Louis sports history, and you'll always affiliate or associate those moments with the player that did it, but then the two guys that did it, are from St. Louis. I mean, that's as cool as that's it gets. Nuts. It is nuts. David Freeze and Pat Maroon. So looking forward to that. Um, I'm excited. I know you're a hockey guy, obviously, Ribs. I'm excited to, to find out the next 24 hours, maybe later tonight, what's going on with the NHL. That This is a huge day. This is a huge 24 hours, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, And, and I think that, look, the players, the, the guys I talk to, they're ready to play. They want to play. They're creatures of habit. Same like, thing for baseball guys. Yeah, yep. they're starving for... The sport right now, but, you know, they're wanting to make sure they're being careful and cautious and that things are set up properly for when they get back here that at least health-wise, they feel like everybody's doing everything they can. What do you guys think, though? To me, golf is going to be fine. I think we're seeing that already on a small basis. Um, But in terms of baseball, basketball, hockey, of those three, I got to say that baseball would be the lesser of the three in terms of what you see between the white lines. You know, there's there's the really, changes that we'll see on the on the field of play. Well, is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean the spacing, just in a general sense of the game. You're you're you know, there's going to be a little contact with a plate at the plate or something at second base, or you throw over to first. But when you talk about the NBA and the NHL, especially playoff hockey, these guys are pounding each other. They're on each other. It's a contact sport. That would be the concern for me as a player. Um, now, how it's set up with the other two, NBA was going to hunker down in Orlando, and they're looking at two hub cities for the NHL. And then baseball is going to travel all over the place. And I think outside the game, that would be the one that I would be concerned about. I don't know if you guys agree, but that's the way I look at it. 
Yeah, that's kind of where my head's been at. Is I, I can't understand how baseball, which has the easiest job, in my opinion, to your point of getting back on the field, the logistics is kind of a socially distanced sport. Anyway. In general, yeah. right? Like it is. But then to complicate things by letting teams play in all their cities and having teams travel and do all this, that to me is like, wait a minute, we had it too good. We need to make it harder on ourselves. <laughs> you know, I don't get that part of it. I think baseball is going to have the toughest part off of the field. And I think that's where the most risk comes in. I think on the yeah. field, there, there's obviously risk anytime that you get close with anybody. That's we, we all know that to be true. That being said, the risk comes when you're off the field and you've got a player that goes and does his own thing for any given night and then potentially is at risk there and then he brings it back into the field of play, right? With the NBA, if you're going to be in one, maybe two hub cities, you can kind of shut that stuff down. You can keep them locked into those areas. If Major League Baseball is trying to do this where they're going to be at home whenever they're in their home city and then they're going to be in a hotel and maybe they're a little sequestered, maybe they're not, we're not really sure how that's going to work, I think they're going to have the toughest time from that aspect. I'm going to wrap it up with this. An honest question, this is for you, Jamie, as as being a a former athlete, kind of a two-parter. Number one, is it realistic uh, expectations to think that a young pro athlete will stay sequestered on the road or at home. That's number one. And number two, do you feel that there will be people in those locker rooms, those clubhouses, players, their peers, that will put pressure on everybody else to say, look, if you go out and you get it, you let us all down. Do you, do you see that both those things happening? Okay, so to speak directly of the hockey culture, just because that's the only one I can really pull experience from, uh, if it was a regular season and then playoffs. We're staring down a full season ahead of us. A young player, that's going to be a tough one yeah. to stay responsible. It's just, it's just it's common just sense. Huh? The nature of the beast. Uh, call it what you want. You're going to want to get out. You're going to want to mingle. Today's day and age, it's just too easy, too accessible to, if you want to go on a date or just meet up with some friends for cocktails, you're young and dumb, and we know how that one rolls, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, so that would be tough. But now, to that point, the NHL... Right now, with just the playoffs, everybody's always focused anyways for the playoffs. So I think that'll be easy to keep the young guys dialed in right now in this present setting. Now, will it be self-policed to your second part of your question? 100%. Absolutely. Hockey is known for that. You get in the locker room, somebody will call somebody out and be like, hey, listen, dude, we're not doing that. You're not going out. We're not doing that. If we catch you out, boy, it's going to be hell to be paid around here. Interesting. We'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. Ribs BK coming up. This is the crossover on 101 ESPN. Have a great, happy, safe Memorial Day weekend. Thanks, Colin. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.